Hi, I'm Dave. Hi, I'm Manu. And this is It Came From The Newsstand. A podcast about cards, comics, nostalgia, collectibles, the feelings, the emotions that's wrapped up in all that from two friends who are both sellers and collectors sharing their stories, sharing their lives and their experiences with you. I couldn't say it any better, and so I don't. <laughs> how you doing, my friend? I'm well. I'm well. And, you know, I'm going to talk about me. But how are you? You caught something. How's it going? Oh, uh, well, dear listener, I came back from my UK vacation with my first ever case of David-19, a.k.a. COVID, a.k.a. coronavirus, a.k.a. the plague. Yeah, I have I have COVID right now. It's a very interesting experience. It's um I'm at the stage where like I feel pretty much better, about 90%, but I do not have any sense of smell or taste right now. That's Nothing. the real thing. Like that's what everyone I've never experienced that knock on wood. I don't, you know, I'm not asking to, but that's what everyone used to say about COVID. You lose your sense of smell and your sense of taste, and that is actually what you've been experiencing the past couple of days now. Yes. And I haven't been sick since January 2020. Wow. And, you know, I had a lot of friends who've had it multiple times. Um, not too many family members, but a ton of friends. And people would say that, you know, like I lost my sense of taste and smell, but nobody described it. Because like when somebody says something that's like in totality, you don't really comprehend it until you experience it, right? Like, yeah. Totality is a really tough thing. Like uh, me and you couldn't understand what it's like to be blind or deaf. You might be yeah. under, understand have bad vision or be hard of hearing. The best way I can describe it, it's like imagine drinking coffee in the mm -hmm. morning, right? Mm -hmm. This is a this was my first experience of it, and I do a pour over. The aroma fills up the kitchen, and I was like, something's not right. And I put my nose right over the coffee as it was brewing, and I took a big inhale, you know, through the nose. It's just something was off. Like I, I could slightly feel like I could smell something. By the time I made the coffee and I drank the coffee and had my, my granola in the morning, it's just like all you know is like your memory is telling you that it, it tastes good or it's – but you can't actually taste anything. So the coffee is like drinking hotness. It's mm -hmm. all it is is the heat and you know it's liquid so it's basically water. Your brain is telling you that it's coffee mm -hmm. because you know it is. But like I'm drinking this tea. I can feel the sweetness of the honey that I put in there. But mm -hmm. I can't taste it. There's nothing telling my brain like this has a specific taste. You can feel the sweetness of the honey? It's very strange on my tongue, yeah. Wow. Now, there's something that you asked me to think about, and I thought about it, and I didn't plan anything, but there was a thought. Mm -hmm. And the thought had to do with the word absence, actually. Mm -hmm. But you use the word totality, which mm -hmm. is so interesting because it ties in so beautifully with some of the things that I want to reflect on later. But I almost look at absence and totality like the extremes. But the way that yeah. you're using the word totality is the total absence of something in this context, mm -hmm. the total mm -hmm. absence of taste, the total absence of smell. That makes all the difference. The, the total absence of something is incredibly powerful. It's powerful in, in, in physicality. So many, yeah, in so many ways. So the question I have for you, unrelated to what I just said, but inspired by do you think an existence, if from this point forward, and I don't wish this on you, and I know your taste buds are going to come back and your sense of smell, but let's say your, your taste buds remained inactive indefinitely, 
would that improve or devastate your life? I can tell you right now that with all seriousness, if this were to continue for the rest of my life or for a long period of time, my I would experience a depression that I probably haven't experienced since I was a drinker. Really? Yeah, this is this is the I mean right now it's the most mind-blowing thing I've ever experienced in my life. Having no taste. I'm eating curry chicken salad for lunch cuz I had bought it before I got I realized I had covid. I know what I'm eating. So mm-hmm. my brain sees what I'm eating. But my my taste buds tell me that I'm just eating food, generic food that's mushy. That's yeah. all. The, the, and curry is a very, you know, that it's oh, yeah. a strong spice that, so there's, there should be flavor in it and there's no flavor. Um, it's depressing. It's really wow. fucking depressing. And I'm no Matt Murdock daredevil, but I have always had a very keen sense of smell. Like I, mm-hmm. I don't know how to describe it other than that. And, and my taste buds have always been, you know, they work fine. Um, I'm not, you know, I, when I was a wine drinker, I'm not like, oh, I can taste notes of this, but my sense of mm-hmm. smell is it has always been very keen and it it fucking sucks dude it really sucks and i you know having covid i, I figured eventually it was going to happen you know i i travel this was two flights in one day this was glasgow to london london to to seattle so it was a long day of travel oh, yeah. being in two very busy airports obviously heathrow being one of the busiest and um you know it's just it is what it is and and i'm not mad at that situation but it just gave me this understanding of what, like, you know, I knew and I had empathy for what people were going through, especially in the early days of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know from experience, you know, I, I wasn't sick. And then, like, I feel like I have a minor case, except for this, you know, everybody says the taste buds will come back pretty quickly. But my symptoms, like, pretty much went through me in two two days, two and a half at most. But, man, I wouldn't wish this on anybody. <laughs> wow. Well, I'm happy to hear that it's a minor case compared to the cases that we didn't experience, you and I, but we heard about, you know, during the pandemic, right? You know, the things that you you hear about, um, you hope Mm -hmm. that you don't have to go through that. And I hope nobody does. The reason I asked if it would possibly improve your life is I was thinking of it in in like this, this other way where it's like, if you remove the desire to taste something to eat mm-hmm. the sweet, to eat the savory, and you look at it as just a function of, you know, feeding yourself, you know, like mm-hmm. the, the, the scientific part of it that's required for your body to function, it, it might make it um, just that, a process, and you become uh, more efficient as an individual because the emotional attachments to food exit. <laughs> but then at the same time, as I, as I think more about that, you know, when you think about your sense of smell, I mean, that serves a great purpose. That's a director of sorts, you know? Oh, yeah. You're aware of what's around you, and that's important. And I, your taste buds don't work exactly the same way, but it does signal what you've put into your mouth. And sometimes there's, you know, good and bad, and you need to know that's those true. things. So that certainly wouldn't be a benefit to lose, <laughs> you know, the warning signs of poison. <laughs> yeah, or like uh this milk is turned or you know whatever. Right, right. You know? exactly. I mean everybody's everybody and and it's such a a natural response as a human has made the joke of uh oh you can you you can eat healthy now, you can eat you know right. whatever, only yeah. vegetables. And it's like it it's it's not even about that. It's like there's so much about food that I just enjoy as a person. I know. But coffee yeah. coffee's enjoyable cuz 
the caffeine's great, but man, I, it's it's such a good taste to me. That won't make me unhealthy unless I drink fucking you know six pots a day, which I don't. Speak for yourself. I thought about it. I thought about it. Be really funny just to go to the store, buy a couple raw onions, and fucking eat raw onions for the next couple of days because a I can't taste them. B, I can't smell what it's going to do to me, and I can't smell the farts. It would be funny to if if like I had a YouTube channel that was about food, and because of COVID, I'm like, all right, guys, today we're just going to eat raw foods, and it's just like me me like cracking eggs and eating them raw, and then like me eating raw broccoli, and then me eating like taking a shot of like just dry cinnamon and washing it down with water, yeah. like th- things that would, but I'm like, there's no benefit to this in my life. I want my fucking taste buds back. That's so interesting though. Like imagine if someone had done that, um, that would have been making a success out of raw eggs, right? Because yeah. that would have went viral. People would have been like, yo, there's crazy people without taste buds just <laughs> eating whatever on the internet. It would have gone freaking viral. I know nobody took advantage. Well, cause the problem is it's like the last thing you're thinking about when you have COVID except me, cause I'm recording this podcast now is creating content. You know, it's like mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. COVID was different at the beginning of the pandemic. Like we didn't oh, yeah. hear about mild cases. You just heard about COVID. Well, well it's because nobody, you know, there, there's so many different pieces of this puzzle, but the general thing uh, from my experience is that just nobody knew what was going on. So it was just panic. Yeah. It was panic due to the media. It was panic due to the unknown. It was panic due to those two things combined, you know, people yeah, the, dropping dead and the media. The uncertainty of not knowing what's going on, you know, mm-hmm. not even, not even saying, Oh, I don't know what's real and what's not, not knowing period. Yeah. Doubt in, even if you have conviction in your beliefs, but you're like, but wait a second. I could be wrong here. And when you don't know, me personally, I um I think the saying is err on the side of caution. Yeah, yeah. That's what I do. If I don't care how I feel about what's happening, if I don't know, I would rather be the person that looks like a fool in a spacesuit in the bread aisle in the grocery store rather than the person acting like nothing can touch me and then I learn otherwise, right? I err on the side of caution. Man, it was such a polarizing time to be a human being. That could actually be like, this is not a science fiction movie. So these certain things that y'all are saying, they can't happen. I'd like an example. Okay. For example, during the first like six months of this pandemic, maybe even a little bit longer, people acted like going outside and walking around was a risky thing. And I'm just like, well, no, because there was never a point in history, recorded history, where there was a pandemic or a disease going around that just kind of floated in the air, like outbreak, where it just kind of floated around and it went here and it went there. You could be walking across the street from somebody, they could cough, and all of a sudden you have the sickness. Like that's not reality. Like there's nothing that's based in reality like that. So why would this pandemic just be the first time in science that like if Steve's walking across the street and he coughs and Dave, me, is walking on the other side of the street and his mouth's wide open and he's going, <gasps> you know, breathing in real hard that Steve's germs are going to fly through the air and come right into my body and I'm right. going to die. You know, like this is kind of what we were going to talk about today anyway. But I told you a story the other day. I I was I was living up still in Seattle in, in the Capitol Hill neighborhood when the pandemic hit. And I'm a walker. I like walking around and like I was fine staying at home, but I'm going to go for walks because it's a healthy thing to do. 
get fresh air, go for walks. And uh, I remember I was walking down the street back to my apartment and there was somebody walking the opposite direction towards me. You know, sidewalks like six feet wide. So there's plenty of room for both of us. You guys got wide sidewalks over there in Washington. Some, yeah, for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually a beautiful thing. Yeah. And, wide, uh, walks. wide walks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And as I get close to this person, this person stops, completely turns to the other, like the right, you know, like not facing me, basically putting their face in a bush until <laughs> I walked past them. Yeah. And I just like, I waited like 20 steps and I just started laughing because I, I couldn't like, Unless we are coughing in each other's mouths or sneezing in each other's mouths at that exact moment, how are your germs getting in my body and vice versa? Like, I get it. People are scared. Why? What? What? I'll no. tell you. No, I think I, that is hilarious. And but I'll tell you. I'll tell you some some of some of my thoughts on that. Now, for me, even as outlandish as some of my thoughts could be, if someone was across this, if someone were across the street. I feel safe about that. Like I, you know, that's across yeah. the street. But when you when you were saying, in what reality, you know, it's not. I think I think the words you used were it's not based in reality. And then the yeah. argument I made, well, not an argument because I've never, especially with something like the pandemic, did I ever take a stance on anything because that mm-hmm. was unsafe for me to do. Because first, for one, it doesn't matter whether I'm right or wrong. Sure. For one, right? Like personally. I just have to do what makes me comfortable. I Correct. don't care to convince anybody of why I do what I do. But the thing that I say about reality, or maybe I never have, is reality is not based on reality. Like it's almost a silly <laughs> thing for, you know, for me to say, well, that's not based on reality. Because when I look at reality, I actually see science fiction. When I look at how humans are created and the giving birth and what we think we know about the universe or the ocean, or anything. How amazing it all is, it's all make-believe. That's how I see it. It's just a make-believe that we're used to. It's our make-believe. But if we didn't know that you could plant a seed in the soil, and then hundreds of years later, there'd still be this huge tree, Mm -hmm. if someone told you that's how that worked, but that isn't how that existed in our reality, we'd say, you're full of it. That's not possible because we know that to be possible. And I think that's where I was with it all. Like, I don't know, even if in history, I can't reflect, I mean, I can't compare this to something that has some answers in it for me. Maybe it is the first time that something absolutely ridiculous happens. I think everything's absolutely ridiculous as it is. So that was my little, you know, one little uh, thing from that. But in terms of like breathing from across the street, yes. I was never felt insecure about that. Your story about the the gentleman that put his face in a bush. (laughs) It's very funny. I, during the pandemic, there was not, there was not much to do and we could talk, we're going to talk more about it. But one of the things that I would do every couple of days is go to this place that I like and take this mild hike, right? Mm -hmm. It's hilly, it's foresty, there's butterflies, there are lizards that greet you on the side of the trail until you get too close (laughs) and then they scurry off. Like, and one of the most exciting parts of it is when they, they don't scurry off and you get to get really close. And I've always just tried to put my face right to them to see how far I can get before they either bite me or run away. You're the idiot in Jurassic Park that gets killed first. 
No, man, I make yeah. friends. I make no, friends. I find no, out how to talk to them. You're the I really located two spiders last night. This <laughs> this warm weather where I'm living is bringing a lot of spiders out. I had to relocate two of them within 30 minutes. It was funny. When I caught the second one, I was like, didn't I catch another one? Oh, yeah, it's still over there in that Ziploc bag. I need to move By the way, folks, when he says relocate, he actually buys them a plane ticket to Florida. I, do, I take good care of them, okay? I want them to relax. I want them to know they don't have to deal with the hustle and bustle in the Bay Area anymore. They've made it, all right? They can chill now. He sets them up in a condo in Boca Raton. That's it's right. A, it's a beautiful thing. A food subscription service delivers their whatevers. Anyway, I would go on these hikes, and you would seldom come across another individual because I would pick, like, hours during the day where people were still working. They were just working from home. Yeah. And when, when someone would be in the distance approaching, there would always be that moment of, even though we're in the wilderness and it's open air, are we supposed to like put the bandana over our nose while we walk past each other? And every single time, we'd both have the moment where we'd look and we'd both, out of respect for not knowing what the other person's expectations are, we'd cover our face, take two steps past each other, and then remove it. It was just a practice. It was. It became like common courtesy in the yeah. way of California. You know, it was like, well, it was like the head nod hello for a long time. I wore my mask. You know, I had the craziest masks. You know, were all these like cool designs on them because you got to break out your Star Wars costumes uh, and things. Yeah, well, I had like a Bane mask. I had an alien. You know, like I got creative with it because right. I could. Um, right. The whole thing was weird. The um, thing I, I i thought we could talk about today was like our friendship is only about a year or so old whatever i thought we could talk about like you know this is a little retrospective episode about where we were what our lives were like you know before the pandemic and and then like how it affected us because i, I know for me and i'm pretty sure for you that the pandemic is what brought us to where we are now 1000% i mean so a huge part of it yeah, yeah, and and it 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 brought me back to comics um, after my failed career in a uh, piece of it in in 2019. I and, and you're right, actually. I mean, I know we've talked about it a little bit, but we didn't know each other prior to the pandemic, and we didn't even know each other early into the pandemic, right? Our no. journeys towards each other started, but we didn't know that they were gonna. Yeah. We didn't know our paths were gonna meet, but the universe knew that our it, paths were gonna meet, and we didn't because there's so much that I learned about myself and my surroundings mm -hmm. in the absence of my surroundings, but in the totality of time with myself, right? Yeah. So much was learned, so much was discovered. The intentional steps that I took and the direction that I started to head in was a direct result of what the silence of the pandemic allowed, helped me to realize and discover and sense I wanted from the world, from what I engage with. And the timing of the lockdown and the pandemic was almost, it's weird to put it in a positive light, but it was perfect, if you mm -hmm. will. It was necessary for the person that I was becoming and the person that I was not moving away from. Those bits and pieces of the past me are me, but an evolution took place. And it was already taking place in the year 2018 and the year 2019. But much like technology advanced 10 years in the first three months of the pandemic, <laughs> yeah. so did that evolution of myself that I was already working on. 
one of the key things, one of the key reasons for that, I'm sure most all of us can relate, all distractions were eliminated and so was whatever someone's social life was. I was able to be with myself and have conversations with myself that I've been meaning to have, but they were fragmented. They were never focused because there was always a thing to do or a place to go. Some worldly distraction that without, I was able to sit sometimes in sadness, sometimes in peace, because you have to adjust to what feels like loss in the moment, but it might not be lost. The absence of something you're used to can feel like loss. But when you're reflecting and you learn from it, you might realize what you were actually attached to, much like I learned, were not the things that I thought I was attached to. It was an overall experience. And so when the lockdown happened, I was already a year or a year and a half into making decisions about who I wanted to be around, who I wanted to become, how I wanted to spend my time and my energy, and what my expectations were in return for where I put my efforts and energy. I don't want to just put a negative spin on it, but let's just call it darkness. Within the darkness, it was just me figuring it all out and having really introspective conversations with myself. It's vague again, but I'll get into little pieces of it. I learned a ton by analyzing why I was feeling the way I was, why certain things weren't satisfying me, and how I was going to achieve that satisfaction. Long story short, and we'll fill in the pieces, I found that satisfaction in a short box of comic books that months into the lockdown, after I'd finalized the elimination of people in my life, in that short box of comic books, I reconnected with who I was. But I found myself during the pandemic. And for that, I'm just actually very grateful for that time. Hmm. Well, can I ask you what you were doing for work? Because that I, that's a big part of my story. So I've just, I'm just interested in, in that. Um, yeah, some people share this similar experience. Many people don't. The pandemic actually, um, for what I was doing professionally, marketing and advertising, a business that my cousin and I owned and operated, when the lockdown happened, our clients needed us more than ever. And so our revenue actually grew. And it grew yeah. quickly and it grew right away. And so we didn't have that experience where we didn't know what to do financially. We knew exactly what to do financially. Of course. Our physical goods selling clients that were retail had to go e-commerce. And we had what it took to get them set up in a matter of days, if not, you know, a matter of weeks, if not days. So all of that was great, but it wasn't satisfying to me. See, I was looking to be fulfilled and fulfillment was not about the dollars. I want the dollars, but I want the dollars as a byproduct of being completely dedicated and passionate about what I spend my time doing. See, getting dollars in return for time is not a fair exchange. It doesn't matter how many no. dollars it is. You're giving your time. You don't get that back. How you feel about how you spend your time, that's the key. Uh -huh. And if the dollars come, that's great, right? But you can't do it for the dollars because <laughs> you're giving up the real gold which is yourself, time. your yeah. time, your life. So we were doing a bunch of fun stuff. We were running people's social media. We, we worked with a bunch of people. We employed some people. We contracted some people. We were having a ball and it was working. And we were developing great relationships. The pandemic happened. All the businesses we were working with went into a panic. We said, don't worry. We know how to take you online. We got you. We got you. 
and it worked out beautifully. But that didn't keep me from leaving that business behind. But it wasn't abrupt. It wasn't, it wasn't like, let's close these doors. We maintained a couple of client relationships. They loved us. We loved them. Mm-hmm. You know, they, were, they didn't take up too much time. It was great. But in terms of pursuing growth in that space and how much time it actually took from myself, my cousin, and the people we worked with, I started to really desperately want out of that before my cousin. But we both kind of ended up in the same place at the same time, which is really great because you don't want two people that love each other that are working together, building something, one person to disconnect. That's Yeah, yeah. Fortunately, we were both in a growth mode and we both had a way out. Not a way out like we needed a way out. We both had opportunities to get out Mm -hmm. and we took them. And we love each other still. And obviously, we're still family and friends and all of that. But work-wise, marketing and advertising and things were going well. Things went even better during the pandemic. But during the pandemic is when I stopped doing that and started doing what I love to do, which is sell really cool, nostalgia-driven, rare comics, cards, and collectibles and things. (laughs) It's interesting because, like, I knew some of that, but I didn't know all that. It's like a blessing. Personally, it's a blessing in disguise. The, yeah. the that whole thing, obviously, for the greater, uh, bigger picture, no, it's it's not a blessing in disguise because you know. No, but we're talking about it from a personal yes. how it yes. affected us sort of perspective, and you always have to give that. You have to preface that by saying, "I'm not saying the pandemic was good by any means." Of course, I'm saying what it did for me was quite necessary. Yeah, an opportunity to take a step back and really investigate what's going on in, yeah. inside. And, and that's a beautiful thing. My story is a little bit different. It, it took a different route and a different path to come to that same kind of place. Tell me. So I'll back up just a little bit before. It's funny, I, for all of you Lord of the Rings fans out there, I look at my life from early 2019 to about 20. 22 as like a lord of the rings type epic like where you start on this journey that you don't know you're on and then all of a sudden you're doing all these things and um early 2019 i took a job in the comic industry that brought me down to portland um and i literally had gotten the job found a place to live packed up my life and moved all within like a 13 day window it was the craziest thing and then i immediately started working and traveled to three comic cons three weeks in a row. So that ended terribly. And it, it kind of put me away from comics for, for a while. I was like all in for comics until I started working for the comic industry. Mm-hmm. We fast forward to early 2020 and you know, the, the shit starts hitting the fan and I was working my old, old job, which was events, nonprofit industry, uh, charity auctions and all this stuff. And uh, pandemic hits literally, while I'm in Palm Springs, California, and every event that I was down there to work got canceled. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I'm very good at reading things, situations, people, and stuff like that. And when those events got canceled, I still had a couple other events on the books, like a few weeks out. And I I, I was still with my ex at the time, and I said, this is it. She's like, what do you mean? I'm like, this is the end of my job. This is it right here. It it will no longer be a thing. Events. Pretty much accurate for two years straight. Sure. Yeah. So so I got home and I was was back in Seattle and I I was at the post office shipping out a bunch of eBay auctions that had sold. And I just kind of noticed on the wall, it was like, post office is hiring, you know, apply here. So I took a picture of it with my phone and like two days later, I applied. Just because I was like, I might as well, right? Mm-hmm. What, what that? What, what's gonna hurt? So that was like 
March 20, whatever, March 22nd, 2020. Oh, like seven days after the lockdown was initiated? Exactly, exactly. I had applied like right after lockdown was initiated. This was right after I got home from California. And um, April 7th or 12th, I was training with the post office. Wow. It was crazy. Like, it's so funny because like you hear people talk about, oh, it takes like six months to, to a year to maybe get a job at the post office after applying. Three weeks. And then I was delivering the mail. May 6th, 2020. How do they even know you're the right guy for the job? How do they know that you can they drive could. around all day and take follow direction? <laughs> How do they know these things? I passed a drug test somehow. I passed a uh I passed a background check somehow, and I passed, he I, says. I passed the psychological test. And the psychological test was hilarious. They asked the 12 questions, right? And then they just repeated those 12 questions four different times, said four different ways. I'm like, well. Duh, if you're smart enough to figure out they're asking the same question four times, then you figure out how to ace this test, even if you are a psychopath. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> you're a smart one, though. Yeah, like I'm cold calculated type psychopath. So I start working with the post office. This is like, like I said, May 2020. I got a new apartment. I, I ended my relationship. Like all this stuff kind of came crashing down at once relationship, pandemic, job, all this stuff just crashed down at once. Now, I won't go into the brutality that is the U.S. Postal Service, the U.S. Postal System. Uh, it was a very important piece of America in the pandemic. It always has been, but like it was more prevalent, the importance of the post office during the pandemic. The person that delivered my mail became my best friend, one of the most important people in my life, and the, and the first person outside of family or friends that I actually gave money to on Christmas. There you go. And please always tip your postal workers. It is very important and they will appreciate it so much. And if you don't, oh, they don't forget. They do not forget. Oh, no, tip them. The person that's making sure you get your stuff where it's tucked behind the bush when you know, you're mm -hmm. not around or the person that knows how, how special it is to you and will take care of that deserves appreciation. It goes a long way. I could guarantee you that, uh, speaking from experience, the people that tipped me the first Christmas I worked always got taken care of. Always. Yeah. The postal system is a very big reflection of the government. If you could just imagine what it's like to work for the government, that's multiply it times 10 for the postal system. I loved my coworkers, and I luckily got literally taken under the wing of some really awesome coworkers who you would also refer to as punk rock. They were the <laughs> the outcasts, the the people that knew all of the rules, literally all of the rules in the rule book, and mm -hmm. would tell management, you can't make me do that. I'm filing a grievance with the union. I, I fell into the best crowd. They might as well be nicknamed Rage Against the Machine because that's how it. fucking awesome they were. And they Rage were... Against the Machine from within the machine. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and I'll say this. I love delivering the mail. It was such a gratifying job on so many levels, the act of delivering the mail. But management is abusive and they beat you down in mentally and physically. Unfortunately, that job yeah, it was terrible, but it kept me sane during the pandemic because I was outside every day. I was in the best shape of my life. I was walking 12 to 14 miles a day, but I was working six to seven days a week. It's what put me on this path. Uh, about a year and a half, almost two years later, I quit. But during this time, my love for comics came back mm -hmm. and it was a shared thing. 
the West Coast Dave Ventures is not just because of my name, but Dave Korea, my my buddy, my good friend. Mm-hmm. We started independently going to garage sales and like hunting comics and antique malls and stuff during the pandemic. And then we decided when we were going to take a road trip when things kind of opened back up. I flew down to the Bay Area and then we drove up to Seattle hitting as many comic stores, antique malls and stuff like that as we could along the way. And and that was where the name came from, the West Coast mm-hmm. Adventures. This whole thing was born through that. But I had been so soured on comics. The job I worked for in Portland was a comic book legal defense fund, which is a nonprofit. It really destroyed my love for comics, dealing with the people that work in the industry and not the creators and writers. It's all the other people. Mm. I was looking for stuff to read during the pandemic that I hadn't read. And and it was Silver Surfer Black from Trad Moore that really reignited it. As soon as I started reading comics again, I was like, man, I got to start picking up more Todd stuff that I had missed out on and finding the holes in in that, you know, like collection that I, I really wanted to fill. But it, it was like a hard reset. Like you found yourself and you 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 talked about that, like finding what made you happy and like kind of clearing out the noise. Mm-hmm. And like I did the same thing. Like there were friends of mine that I just they didn't have a place in my life anymore. Mm-hmm. And I reconnected with people, uh had a lot of phone conversations, which was such a beautiful thing. And me and you, our friendship started. With phone conversations. And so that was a great thing. It was this thing that got in woke inside of me for two reasons. The one reason was after the post office, I took a job for three weeks that was supposed to be a long-term job. And it it was horrible. It was just, it was just terrible. The person I worked for was atrocious and put my health at risk at one point. And then I was I was done. But those two things, the post office combined with working for this person. I I put my foot down and said, Dave, you're never working for another person again. Mm. You'll never give your time and energy to make somebody else wealthy or even make their business run by sacrificing everything that you are as a person and sacrificing your time and your energy. So much much like what you were saying about giving your time and energy to people. Mm -hmm. So that was one piece of it. But then there was this other piece as I started going to garage sales and looking at collections and buying comics from people. I have always been a seller, right? I, I've I was going to ask you that. Like, when did you start selling books? I opened an eBay account up in 99 and I was selling by Ooh. the end of 99. Yeah. yeah because oh, I collect- are- Okay, great. Okay. Yeah. Because I collected autographs, cards, comics, toys. I would go antiquing, stuff like that. So I've always been very adamant on passive income where I would just, you know, like buy stuff to resell or collect mm-hmm. stuff to resell mm-hmm. and then just throw it on eBay and, and see what happened. It'll happen when it happens. It's out there. Right. And I'm already working for a living. So I'm making gotcha. an income. So that's considered passive income. This was just the point where I said to myself, okay, I'm done working for people. I had friends that were doing claim sales. I had started to get into the IG community. and I'm like, When did and you start an IG page? When you say you started to get into the IG, when was that? Oh God, I I could look, but I want to say at this point, we're in 2023, my IG page has got to be from like spring 2021. Okay. So in the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 And so I originally just started to just kind of talk about books, you know, like what we all started, like show off and talk about books. And Dave is such a huge part of this. Like I can never understate how important Dave's advice and like encouragement is 
to the start of this and where it is today because he we remember we were in the car and I've told this to him multiple times that like this will never leave me and I was like I could do this I can do these claim sales like I've got personality he said to me he's like you know more about comic books than like anybody I've ever met yeah I guess I have a lot of hidden knowledge in there and stuff but he said to me he's like look if you're gonna do this if you're gonna because we started the page to kind of just capture the road trip uh the stuff we were getting and the stories we were going Mm -hmm. to he's like if you want to do this on the page he's like you got to go all in you got to put your time into this. You got to not do it half-ass and make it your thing, but don't do it if you're not going all in. And it stuck with me because like I went all in. I did my yeah. first claim sale with my buddy, Mike, who who really helped me, Gray Man Comics. My first claim sale, people were like super encouraging. Like I just got a lot of positive energy from it, a lot of positive feedback. So obviously that drives you, you know, positive feedback drives you as a human. Like we are human beings that run off emotions and positive feedback is one of those things that gives us strength. And so around October... Negative feedback can give us strength too, but that's a different conversation. Yeah. Yes, it can give us strength, but it has to be done in a way that there's you know, constructive criticism. Exactly. Negative, mm-hmm. negative feedback just to be negative is... It's just negative. Sure. This whole thing, this whole journey I was on when I, that Portland job ended horribly and then you know, all this stuff, the pandemic came in and, and it changed the way that we we looked at the stuff that we were collecting. I think it was October of 2021. I decided to start the YouTube channel. And then once again, Dave said, you know, he he was very, very much encouraging and gave me some great advice and said, he said, shoot a video and just talk and see what you come up with. And so I shot a video at my kitchen table at my apartment in Seattle and I sent it to him. I was just like, here. I was like, he's like, dude, this is great. He's like, you need a lot of work on like what your setup is. He's like, this is great. Like you had stuff to say. And so I'd gone down to the Bay Area for one of our like uh, weekends of going to flea markets and garage sales in the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. And he's like, dude, you want to shoot a video in the studio? Why don't we do a video here and see what comes out? So we shot the first Dave Avenger video in his his art studio. That was it. Right there and then I'm like, this is what I want to do. This is where I've always needed to be. I've always been a that seller. Feeling. This yeah. is where I've always needed to be. That feeling was given to us by the pandemic. Yes, 100%. Like the falling away of the rest of the, the distractions that we were used to mm-hmm. is what helped me come to this place where I always thought I should be, where I always thought I needed to be, mm-hmm. and where I know that I belong. I sometimes I look back, maybe a little bit of anger, maybe a little bit of regret, maybe a little bit of disdain, and just kind of a little bit of helplessness that nobody ever nurtured this thing in me, that nobody ever gave me any of this encouragement that I needed to be like, I can do shit like this on my own. I I just need to hear someone else tell me that it's okay to pursue it. Not in a validation way, but just in a way like, don't worry, you're not going to fail at this because it, had I fucking known where I would be now from starting this less than two years ago, mm-hmm. I would have done this six years ago. I would have done this 10 years ago. I would have been first person on fucking YouTube to be talking about comics, to be selling this stuff, be passionately doing this. I, Can and, I ask and, you a question? Sure. The answer could be whatever it is for to you. But since you started 10 years later than that hypothetical right there. Yeah. The things that happened in that 10-year, have they or have they not been super beneficial to your ability to execute now? The learnings, the experiences, 
Yes and no. Yes and no. Definitely, there's so much I've learned about myself and and life in general and and responsibility. But no, because that and the reason why I say no is is just because like I know myself. I've been sober almost ten years. Oh yeah, and I've been living in the Northwest for nine years almost. And I could have started as soon as I moved here. Got but I, I mean, you know, I'm not, I don't live in regret of that. Like there's no regret. There's just a little bit of that. Like, I, I guess it could be called regret, but it's just a little bit of emotion that's still stuck with that. But it kind of drives me a little bit. You know, it's just the, here's the other part of it that I will, I, I will smile upon. I think this will make you smile too. Okay. Jack Kirby. Mm-hmm. Okay. He, he created the Fantastic Four when he was like 40. Right. Like his late 30s. You know, I think about stuff like that and like that, you know, I don't harp on the regret or the the looking back. I just wish that there was somebody in my life that would have been like, Dave, you should do this. There was never any encouragement when I tried to do stuff like this that I was doing a good job from anybody in my you know, family. You know, my, my, you know, that was close to me. That's so. Except Dan, my friend Dan. Thank Sorry. you for that, Dan. We yeah. appreciate that. That's really important for me to hear because I like to know that about you. It's a bit of a contrast um, to my experiences, but for, for different reasons, right? Like I, I also wanted people to tell me that I was really good at this and I should do that and I should do this and so on and so forth. But what I needed most was for myself, I'm foolishly confident. Like, you know, yeah. I, but for some reason, there are a bunch of things that I knew that I could do that I didn't. And there were people around me that said I should, you know, mm -hmm. but I was piecing it together differently. It was like, you think I should, you think I'm skilled, then how come you don't want to do it with me? You know, how come you don't <laughs> want to be the counterpart to it? It's always like, I always had this other demand of the people around me that if they don't feel the things I feel, if they don't love the things I love, even if they recognize that I'm good at it and I can do it, and they would support me going in that direction, it doesn't mean they're going to come with me. Right. That's what I had to get rid of. It's like, great, they already gave me permission to be me. Now I need to come to terms with the fact that in being me, I may be losing what I shared with these individuals. It took me a while to get there. When I, when I asked that question about if you would have started 10 years prior, would you have been less prepared is essentially what I was asking. Or do you yeah. recognize now that you're, you were right for the moment? You were ready for the moment because of experiences? I asked that question because that's how it kind of sits with me. You know, I think about the timing of things like, sure, I could have done a lot of things sooner and I had intended to and I procrastinated and didn't. And people around me also encouraged it and I still hadn't. But when it happened, it was so remarkably apparent to me that the things that I had been doing for the years leading up, I was actually implementing, but now for myself and not for my clients. And without growing someone else's social media page, I wouldn't know what the frustrations were and how to sort of, you know, understand, oh no, this is yeah. how you make progress. Because I had done it. I had, I had found out how much time it actually takes to build an engaged community. And then doing it for myself, I was like, oh my gosh, this is what I did for the winery for the past year and a half. This is what I did for that <laughs> auto dealer. You know, it's like, I didn't know that I was getting learning experiences or teaching myself how to do something that I would later do for myself, but that's what it ended up being. This is very small, but major. I was in a very serious relationship that I was quite, I, I'm, I was going to use the word happy. I was happy. 
but through the pandemic, you get to learn what happiness actually means. I was just there. I was very much enjoying this relationship. Let's just say that. It was a huge mm. part of my life and who I was. Huge. That left my life during the pandemic. That young lady, credible woman, I wish her the best. She actually gifted me these AirPods before leaving my life. Or actually, they might have come to me after she <laughs> left, quote unquote, my life. I don't remember, but they were a gift from her. And she would encourage me always to get on YouTube. She would always encourage this. She didn't know that I had a thing for comic books because I had I knew that I've always had a thing. It's always been me, but I hadn't reintroduced myself to my collection yet. This right. is prior to that happening, months prior. But she wanted me to get on YouTube because she knew what I was doing in the social marketing and advertising space for other companies, so on and so forth. But when Justin, my co-host on the Marvel show, it's, it's a show that he started, but we've become co-hosts in that show. When he first contacted me on Instagram because of a, a reel that I had circulating, he was like, in two days, you have to join me on YouTube Live. And I was very apprehensive, very scared. Yeah. I, had, I hadn't done anything on YouTube. He goes, do you have headphones? Do you have this and that, third? And I was like, I don't have any of that stuff. And then I realized, I literally, this is when we, the day that I sat down in front of the camera, in front of the phone to do this. And I said, I don't have any of that stuff. He said, well, it's going to this and that. And I said, wait a second, I have these AirPods. <laughs> and he said, those should work. And I put them in and they were perfect. And now 66 weeks, 66 weeks into that show, I still use the same AirPods. Those AirPods were gifted to me by the oh, individual okay. that I thought was devastating that they left my life. With time, you realize what feels like loss isn't always. Certain things have served their purpose and they leave reminders yes. as to why they were there. And I know this is just an AirPod case. But this AirPod case has allowed 66 weeks of me connecting with myself and other people on YouTube. It's why you and I are now together. It's why I was on that Instagram right. live with these AirPods in and you were <laughs> able to see that and say, hey, you know what? That Manu guy, we're going to have a conversation one day. Yeah, you said we're going to work on something together. And now look at us. That's yeah. right. That's right. Actually, I, I sang a song. I said, I can tell that we are going to be friends. I love that. I remember why she gifted me these. It was actually after she had, we had separated in terms of a relationship. We were still in each other's lives. Uh -huh. And one of the parts of my life that became so beautiful because of her, because us combined, we lived in San Francisco and she worked in the financial district. I worked from home. I can work wherever there was an internet connection. Right. You know, we would do the morning routine and we would walk to her office, right? Mm -hmm. To the building that she was in. And then I would go to a local Starbucks and start my work day. And I would always just sort of make fun of the sea of 20 something year olds that are all just marching down the street with their <laughs> AirPods and their Patagonia vest. Oh they all my God. Patagonia and the AirPods. They all work at Salesforce or this or that, you know, in the buildings. And we lived amongst the buildings, but this was my first time living in this environment, experiencing this every day. And part of that was a gift of the relationship with this wonderful woman. When she sent me this, after we had decided to go our separate ways in terms of our personal lives, she sent me this and a Patagonia sweater. And she said, now you can be like all of those assholes oh, you make fun of so every morning. Good. That's something that only happens on TV. I love that. Yeah. I wish that I could have had something as uh, amicably happy as that, but I didn't. <laughs> oh, well, there was a lot of heartbreak in there as well. Yeah. This is a few years removed with reflection. Okay. Yeah. I, I will say the best gift that my relationship gave me and the post office gave me is a 
very big chip on my shoulder, which we we talk about that a lot, having that chip on our shoulder, which yeah. drives us to be better and do this. And, what and that's actually what I meant by when you said when you were talking about positive feedback and I said yeah. negative feedback too could you circled back to constructive and, and I agree with that. But even just the flat out negativity, it gives you the oh, I'll fucking show you. Yeah. yeah. That chip. Yeah. Yeah. This was a fucking great conversation. And for the listeners, there was a point where I had to pull back just a bit because the tears were forming and nobody nobody wants to listen to me cry. <laughs> I guess Manu does. It's not that I want to listen to you cry. I was just like, where were what what emotion was about to be unleashed? I was just curious when you said that because I didn't know it there's a lot. Me. There's a lot when I talk about I don't know what it's like to have a kid, but I know what it's like to be a kid. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it's like to be a parent. I know it's a tough thing. And I know my parents did the best they could. And I know teachers, whatever, my family, everybody in my life did the best they could. But it, it, it's just like I see the way that some kids get treated these days and encouraging their better traits. And like, I just wish I had some of that, mm. you know, the way you feel about yourself. And when you feel good about yourself and you know that you're good at something, you're only as good as you, as a kid. You're yeah. only as good as you are at that as the encouragement you get as the people yeah. that prop you up because you're a fucking kid. I have the facilities right now to do a podcast, to do a YouTube show, to make money on my own and and live my life how I want. But it took a lot of work to get there. Right. As an adult now today, you have the self-awareness and the confidence to give yourself that push. But I, now I hear what you're saying louder than I did before. You're, you're very simply, and correct me if I'm wrong, saying, why didn't someone tell me how great I could have been at this and push me to do it? Thank that's that's it. And and there, you know, I have a great supportive friend group. The friends that are in my life now, and I have some friends that have been there for fucking you know two decades, three decades. Specifically, the two of them, they know who they are because mm-hmm. they're both listening to this. They have always been good friends. And they are completely supportive of me now. And they have been supportive of me of whatever decisions I've made in my life. They both know that. There's that part of it of like seeing it and being like, you should do that. So I shouldn't say there was no support, but there's just like that type of support, like you just said. But I I do want to say something. Anybody who's listening to this and everybody that's listening to this, if there's something that you're thinking about doing, pursuing in your life, taking a chance, taking that step. Whether it's doing what we do, anything, you know, if you're thinking about pursuing a career in music, whatever the fuck it is, whatever it is, that dream, that thing, if you have the opportunity, the facilities, whatever it takes that that you think you need, do it. Just fucking do it. Because I will say this, I don't know if I'm going to be selling comics for the rest of my life, doing YouTube, doing this podcast, because we don't know where the world's going, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But these years of my life that I'm doing this, so far, and I'm hoping continue to be the best years of my life because I decided to do this. Because I'm doing what I purely love. There are aspects of it that sometimes I don't love, you know, but that's fine. That's everything in life. Yeah. If you are thinking about doing anything that's like, oh, I don't know if I could pull this off, you can. You can. You can. It's hard work, but you can. But the thing about hard work when you're doing something you love, it's not work. I love it, man. I love it. It's not. <sighs> I'm, I'm so glad that that message made it into this episode because I echo that sentiment. And um, I agree. And over the years, I've said 
little playful things like fail well instead of yeah. farewell, fail well. <laughs> and, and anyone can deduce what I mean by that is even if you try something and it doesn't amount to the whatever your, your thing for success was for you, right? Maybe it was a certain amount of money or a certain amount of growth in a certain amount of time. If it doesn't reach that, you can always just look at the reasons why it might not have and improve because of, right? So even in what some people might look at as failures, they're all victories to me um, because you have the opportunity to improve. Even if it's not about winning or failing, if you just try and learn that you don't love it, if you try and learn that it isn't something that you're going to do every day because you're not actually as passionate, it's important to learn that. You remove that little thing in the back of your mind that says, well, what if, what if? You get to eliminate that as a life path. And that's really good to do also. So you can find where you are meant to be. Yeah, there's no harm in failing. None. There's no harm in failing as long as you're not putting your well-being at risk or somebody else's well-being at risk. You know, that's that's definitely something to keep in mind. If you've got a family and you've got kids and you got to mortgage the house to start that one business and then it fails, well, maybe you could have thought something through there yeah. without risking it all to pursue the thing. But at the end of the day, I, I echo Dave's sentiment and I would encourage all of our friends to try it. Whatever it is that you've been thinking about wanting to do, freaking do it. You know, look, there might be people that judge you. There might be this, there might be that. Who cares? Yeah. Plenty of people that have judged me in my life and especially in this space in the last two years. And the amount of fucks that I give yeah. is equal to or less than zero. And let me let me tell you this. The people that judge you, when they see that their judgment can't stop you from pushing forward, they may continue to say things, but they are deeply jealous that you are so confident to do what you want when they are just worried about what other people would say. This is one of my favorite conversations I've ever had with you. Mm -hmm. And I, I learned a lot. And I, I think there's more to dive into about this period of our lives because it, it was such an interesting time as a human. And it was such an interesting time uh, personally for me. And I'm sure, you know, for you. And I think we sort of just only scratched the surface here. Yeah, we did. This has been another episode of It Came From The Newsstand. And we are delighted that it's gone this far. If you're listening to this on a platform that allows you to review the show, please do so. From the research that I've done about podcasts, uh, the more reviews that are generated, the more this podcast will get pushed out to new listeners. We'd appreciate that just Very from the much. bottom of our hearts. Yeah. Manu, where can they find us on the internet? Oh, my gosh. Dave? No, man, you fucking do it. Jeez right, Louise. Friends, you can find us on Instagram at it came from the newsstand. You can find Manu at the 9.9 newsstand. And you can find me on YouTube or Instagram at the West Coast Day Ventures. We pretty much are an open book waiting for you to read every chapter. And that will do it for another episode of It Came from the Newsstand. Fuck yeah, he did it. I'm a fucking talker. I, I tell know. you. You just turned Irish for a fucking second. Damn it, Dave. <laughs> <laughs>